Hello and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Lauren. And I'm Michael. What's up, people? How's your day going? Hope everyone's doing you well. Answer. You can't answer. Uh, I can answer. I, my, my day's doing pretty good, man. It's doing That's pretty good. great here. You know, it's nice and cool. I'm excited. I'm excited about the fall weather. I hit the flea market this morning. Um, yep. Didn't find anything cool. My son got a remote control tarantula. That's probably what? about the coolest thing. Yeah. It's about, probably about the coolest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it looked a little more real, it would definitely be uh, one of the coolest toys ever. But it's, uh, right. it's probably about 10 inches in diameter, you know, like leg span. So it's pretty good-sized tarantula here. This is definitely a uh, camel spider or something. Imagine the possibilities if you're, your son's, what, like 10 or something? Yeah, yeah. Imagine a 10-year-old and you have that. Like, you're just thinking, like, how can I screw with people? How, how many people can I scare with this thing? Like, exactly. Just have it come walking out of the room or come walking into mom and dad's room in the middle of the night. <laughs> right, exactly. I think in like a loud environment, you know, like if you were at a party or a get together or something, yeah. it'd be ideal. But the, the freaking yeah. animatronics of it are so uh, loud. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a weird sounding spider. <laughs> it's like, right? Why do four legs move at one time? Why does the whole right side move? It? That's just weird. Right. But, uh, but yeah, yeah he's having, you could just roll up behind somebody at a party and just park it there and then they turn around and see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And have it yeah. crawl up underneath their chair or something. Right. <clears throat> but yeah, so, so he's uh, having fun with that. That's good. That's good. So, no, uh, you, things are going well in your life. No, no bad neighbors to worry about. No, no. Um, not that I, I mean, not that I can say. And most of them are related to me anyway. So, it's not really, not really shit I can do about it, you know? <laughs> it's one of those it's one of those instances it's like sometimes that's kind of where I, that's kind of like my same situation too I'm like yeah several family members up where i live in a small town so y- yeah and when you're too close to your neighbors like that there's really nothing you can do it's like what do you gotta do call the police on your on your grandpa it's like ah. <laughs> you know what I'm i mean i know right. he's pissing in the garden again but you know he can't hold it he's getting older it's grandpa it's said he's cutting me out of the will officer right <laughs> right yeah it's not but, right but um but that hasn't stopped uh, the cops being called out here a few times, you know. Sometimes sometimes family uh, disputes get a little heated. You know, that's just right. the way it goes. It's just the way it mm-hmm. goes. Sometimes you can get a little too close to each other. You know, you yeah. get a little too much of each other. It's and, You uh, know what? I, actually, I've, so I've watched several. We're doing a case on Bad Neighbors and uh, an episode of Fear Thy Neighbor this week, if you haven't figured that out yet. And I've watched a bunch of these episodes. It's a pretty fun show. Um, and it's, the acting is over the top and it's a little, it's almost even a little cheesy, but it's like enjoyable at the same time. Cause a lot, I mean, really the acting needs to be over the top because disputes between neighbors that get heated to the point where someone kills the other person, they, it's drama to the max, you know, it's people screaming at the top of their lungs and whatnot. Right. Um, And and we saw it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, we've talked about how. Uh, road rage incidents and things like that get heated due to the already elevated, you know, heartbeat and sensitivity of your brain, you know, like moving at that fast pace. But mm-hmm. I think also um, uh, uh, these type of altercations are just as bad. They can get just as intense because it's somewhere, it's happening somewhere where you are supposed to have your sanctuary. Yeah. Right? Exactly. It's somewhere where you're supposed to be safe. You're supposed to be able to do whatever the hell you want. It's your house, it's your property, but yet you have someone terrorizing you at your home. And it's yeah. like you get no rest. It's just yeah. constant anxiety. And I think that's why these things blow up. Yeah. You know, your that, job and the world out there is stressful enough. And you want to be able to come home and sigh and sigh relief and just like, okay, I'm home. And Right, but when you pull up in your driveway and your neighbor is out there waiting for you to torment you, like this case, 
Oh my God. What relief do you ever get? And you can see how this this person blew up. But my what I was going with this is that uh, I've watched several of these episodes of this show, and it seems like the ones um, oftentimes the neighbors were good friends first, and then it went badly. And like what you're saying about family, kind of the same thing. Yep. Where it's like we used to be close, and then when it goes bad, it's almost more passion involved and more right. hate. Like it's bizarre. Yeah, somebody always oversteps their boundaries, right? They always they're yeah. like, "Oh, we know them. It'll be fine if we just go and such and such or or you know, right, go right. through their yard. We can walk through their yard or do this and do that." And then people are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck?" It's like we were cool, but that's too much. Right. And I and I think that's usually what happens um yeah. among neighbors. I mean, like I said, I've had that I've had that type of thing just happen just amongst family because we all live near each other, so we will walk through each other's yards and back back properties and stuff to get to places. Well, I didn't and, think you'd mind if I borrowed your lawnmower real quick and right. without asking. <laughs> it's like, well, at least ask, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And put exactly. some gas in it when you're done. What the fuck? Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly. Sometimes tr- friends treat friends the worst because they feel like they can get away with it because they right. feel that, they take you know, advantage of them. Uh, right. They're like, what are they going to do? We're friends, right? All the stuff that mm-hmm. I've done for them. And, uh, exactly. But it can get out of hand. People can over overreach. And also, sometimes people can change. And in this case, you know, these now two couples the were great friends, lived next to each other, and then yeah. one one of the couples moved away for a decade, came back, and were completely different. And well, it's I pretty mean, compelling stuff. A decade, though. I mean, God, a decade it, can change you, can, for sure. A, a year. Don't don't mm-hmm. think that people are the same after a year or six months, depending on right. what they experienced, you know? And then you talk about a decade. It's like, Jesus, yep. this person... These people could have went through entire revelations and the way that they mm-hmm. think and how they identify themselves. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, it's a very compelling case. We'll dive into that. And then afterwards, we actually have a couple stories from listeners we put out there on Patreon. Um, if anybody had uh, horror stories of neighbors and whatnot, yes. bad neighbors, because it's such a common thing that happens, dude. There's there's reason that there's like six seasons of Fear Thy Neighbor with like 15 episodes each. Dude. Like this shit happens all the I time. Can't. Neighborly disputes that go that get bloody in the end. Dude, I never heard of this show. I can't believe it. I enjoyed this this episode as much as I'd enjoyed watching anything true crime. Yeah, it's it's and it's very like entertaining. It you is. Know, and it's, it, it usually ends horribly, so it sounds <laughs> like even weird to say it's entertaining. But and they do a great job unfolding the story as well. They keep you yeah. in the dark until until you need to know what you need to know. And um, yeah. you yeah, can find I, it I on Discovery ID it. channel or like yep. if you have cable, you can log into their website through your cable provider and watch all the episodes on their website. Um, oh, and nice. yeah, this. Every one of them I've watched has has been compelling and entertaining. I think I rented it on YouTube. It was like a dollar ninety nine on YouTube. So I was the like, way it's just por- for this one episode, I think I'll do that. Isn't the way it's portrayed? It, it kind of lulls you into like thinking, okay, this isn't going to end that bad. But then every time it's like, holy! It always like knocks your yeah. socks off at the end. Yeah. You're like, damn! I didn't see it going <laughs> listen, this far. <laughs> listen, like I said, I like never a seen double this murder show in the before. street. Jesus! Right, like like I said, I never. Wow! Talk about spoilers. <laughs> oh, look who it is! I didn't say who was who getting left killed. A comment I, says that Michael always spoils it. No, right. but um, but yeah, I saw when I saw the intro and I saw the logo for the show. It's like a bloody handprint on a window, right? Yeah. And it's like fear thy neighbor. I'm like, whoa, Jesus yeah. Christ! I'm like, this isn't gonna be. Oh, okay, yeah, it is. All right, right, fair enough, fair yep. enough. Yep. So let's get into it, and we'll we'll talk about these neighbors that were they went from fast friends to mortal enemies. All right, let's do it. Had a friend, thought she was grand Till the day I found out first hand She moved away for 
case this week actually was out of North Kakalaki, Uh-oh. not too far from Michael. That's right. About an hour and a half. Um, about, about the area I went to college. I went to college up in Western Carolina, and this is on the way there. This is about 30 minutes from where I went to college, a uh, little town. So who better to describe art in North Carolina where this story takes place than you? You've been through here. Yeah. Know the area. I was actually surprised um, at this. This intensive a story came from this. Well, once I figured out all the, <clears throat> all the facts and the all the details, I thought, mm, yeah, this this sounds like a, how a normal North Carolina man would have reacted uh, at, at at push <laughs> I, or any man or really any man who was right. pushed to this. Hold point. in your rage until it just bursts. Yes. Like don't don't it, don't vent it all. Just completely let that yeah, steam build up inside <laughs> until you explode. <laughs> just let it build up. You know, just to turn the other cheek as long as you can. And I then almost feel like it could, at the moment. <laughs> At the moment, this guy did what he did. I almost feel like you could see, like, physically see steam come out of his ears, or like oh, hear a whistle dude. going off. Like, like you have a teapot on the on the kettle. It starts whistling. Right, and we'll get to it, and we can have a debate on whether or not we would have lasted as long as he did. Um, but right. I, I, I can't, I can't confidently say that I would have at that point. I, I probably right. would have left actually, because see, I, I'm not. I wouldn't be tied to a place like that. And if my family's being threatened. I would I would have left a long time ago, but now see that's the thing that's the thing about him is like I feel I feel like he would have, but his wife his high school sweetheart we'll get into all these yes. details, but she as we're about to get into was born and raised in this home with her with her parents she's now you know and, in her fifties yeah and her parents are gone they've passed on and she's in this home she grew up in and her parents have given given it to her she grew up in this hometown it's all she knows and it's like leaving this home would be. It's impossible for her to even comprehend right. leaving this home. It's all she knows. All of these memories are tied to it. And so, like, that's his wife. So in order to leave this home, he has to leave her, and that's not going to happen. Right. And and I get so, it, though. I mean, that Western Carolina, it's, it's full of towns like this. They're just small towns. They're very yeah. remote. It's beautiful. Simple people. Dude, it's not too hot, you know, right, because you're at a higher elevation. Yeah. You're heading up towards the mountains. So it's, it's never too hot. The, the winters are – the winters can be rough. 
but I mean, anybody in the Midwest or in the North would laugh at you. I mean, would laugh. Yeah, at it's yeah. it's nothing. I mean, you're gonna get maybe maybe a week or two of snowy weather over the course of the entire mm-hmm. winter, and the rest is just gonna be it's just gonna be beautiful weather. It's it's gonna be you know yeah. cool breezes, uh, beautiful leaves changing in the fall. I mean, it's a great it is a great place to live. It's very quiet communities. Even Asheville, who is probably the biggest city yeah. in the West and is known as being like most progressive. Um, still a very friendly, very polite, small-town feel. And Asheville, it looked on the map to me like was just right down the road from Arden, yes. right? yeah. Yep, Asheville's okay. not far away at all. Yeah, so this story takes place in Arden, North Carolina. Kind of, I mean, We're going to go through the ni- 90s and into the 2000s and all the way up to 2013 is when the actual crime t- takes place. But this is a long-lasting relationship between these two couples that live next door to each right. other. Very, and all this and is we'll, important information as well. yeah. And we'll start with Jenny Jarvis, who was born and raised in Arden. Um, she was the wife um, of of a guy named uh, Irvin Irwin uh, Jarvis. When Jenny's parents passed away, they gave her their home, and Jenny moved in with her high school sweetheart Irwin. So this is the home that she grew up in with her parents. And when they passed on, they gave it to her. She immediately moved in, not wanting to let go of this home that she had so many memories attached to. I can only imagine this home, like the memories that she's experienced there. You know, like she's. Basically, from the time she was a baby, she was raised there. Yeah. Uh, and 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 when her parents pass away, you know, I don't know when it would have could have been in her thirties, forties, or fifties, or whatever. She moves in, and then she with her with her high school sweetheart Irwin have a they have a son together, and the son is now a full grown adult and still living with her with his parents at this right. home. And so there's just so many memories, like her as a child, her son as a child. Yeah, growing he's up there probably waiting I to inherit how the you house. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, their son, their son had no plans of moving out. Apparently, he no. was, I, th- I believe, like in his twenties. Wow. Maybe even older. I don't yeah. know. Shoot. Um. So, and Jenny was a school teacher and uh, known and beloved by everyone in town. Uh, and her husband and high school sweetheart Irwin was more of an introverted, quiet guy, an electrician that mostly kept to himself. Um. But they had been together forever since high school. And right. Kind of a picturesque um, life in a beautiful town, like you talked about. Absolutely, they seem like soulmates, um, man. They really seem like they had everything figured oh yeah. out. Like they lived a simple yeah. life, and some people would say mm-hmm. maybe a sheltered life, um, but to them, it was all they wanted. And but yeah, if that's if you're happy that, with that, then there's I don't see right. any problem with it. All that matters is if you're happy. I, that's how I feel, you know, in 100%. life. If you're, if you're happy and you're not being a burden to other people, because life's life's fickle and it could end at any time and also like we're on this rock spinning in space so it's like who really gives a shit about what you your what you did in your life when it's over uh, as long as you were good to other people i feel like that's the important part exactly yeah don't but, don't hurt or harm other people and do the things that you love as often as you can and and if, yeah. and if you're happy doing that stuff hey man who's to say that's not the way to live yeah, and apparently my computer agrees. If you heard that, that was like a very confirming that. sound that it just said. You just figured out life. <laughs> Deling. Deling. Level up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Xbox achievement achieved. <laughs> so, um, and and what made their life better, like even better, was um, the Jarvises. They had a pair of neighbors that were very like minded, and they were really like close friends. I'd probably say it was their their best friends. Um, yeah, that's they fair. They lived directly next door. And for many years and into the late 1990s, the Jarvises had great friends in their next-door neighbors, Robert Matheson, who went by Jesse, and his wife, Janice Miller Matheson. Um, so they were a very like-minded couple, um, a little bit older. 
Um, and Jenny and Jarvis, or Jenny and Janice, were very close and had similar interests in child development. So the wives of the two couples were were always hanging out. And um, I believe Janice was in was, was she in like uh, she was a nurse. She was in it, was yes, she a nurse? I think okay. she was a nurse that worked in um, like um, in the, in the birthing area of the the, the labor oh, okay. area of the hospital. I would think. I think she mostly worked with women giving birth, if I'm not mistaken. I think that's kind of why her and Jenny had such a connection because they were both in kind of child welfare kind of type deal situations. Yeah, right. Both love child children development, very much. Rather. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. So sometime around 1999 or 2000, Janice was pregnant with her first child. Um, Jenny, the next door neighbor, and her good friend was ecstatic for her and checked in on her frequently. You know, the, the the TV show shows like footage, like reenactments of her like kissing her stomach and, and feeling the kicks and right. They were really close friends, and she was right next door. So she, you, you know, Jenny was constantly coming over to check on and see if Janice needed anything. And you imagine probably hosted baby showers and things like oh, that course, for her. Of course, yeah. That's what friends do. Um, yeah, and and something happens though around this time that changes everything, changes their relationship, changes. Uh, seemingly the Mathesons forever, and they never turned back because Janice suddenly and tragically lost her child late in the pregnancy. And the Mathesons were obviously distraught. They had lost their child, their unborn child, and the Jarvises did their best to comfort them, um, as you would if you were, like, close family members. Um, They lived right next door, and they felt their pain as well. And in the Fear the Neighbor episode, Irwin was interviewed and talked about attending their funeral and sharing their uh, in their grief of their their beloved neighbors. Right. And so yeah, everybody was kind of really shaken by this event. Yeah, I mean, you kind of start you start to share that grief because you were you were looking mm-hmm. forward to that experience. You were looking forward to seeing a child playing in the yard and you know possibly exactly. babysitting while their parents go on date night. Like you had this whole this whole future planned out with this human. Yeah regardless of whether it's yours mm-hmm. or not and then it's and then it's gone i mean it's it, it yeah this is one of the toughest things i think anybody has to go through is losing a child especially so yeah. late in the pregnancy mm-hmm. yeah yeah when you can feel it moving around and everything in there that's yes. i mean that's yes that's a you little feel person the life inside you and then it's gone it's like yeah that's not that's easy brutal yeah so then following the funeral in the middle of the night the mathesons leave their home and they take almost nothing with them and amazingly, they're they're not seen again for ten years. I mean, ten. Years. I say amazingly because you can understand them leaving, but then like appear, reappearing ten years later is the bizarre part. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. I can understand they. I can understand that maybe she felt shame, even though it's not her fault, and she felt just so so saddened and didn't want to. Like when you go through something like that, like the people that are there to comfort you, sometimes it can. You know, you don't even want to see them well, because it's just a reminder of what you just went through. You not know? only that, you're you're not only looking at your neighbors, you're looking at your perfect neighbors, your neighbors that have seemingly yes. the perfect relationship with the perfect little home and and their their little mm-hmm. son that lives with them, and because you know he's not an adult at this time. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's just that's a good point. All, I forgot that the yeah that the uh, Jarvis's son would have been young at this time because this was before the ten year exactly. hiatus. So it just it, it seems like it's all rubbing it in. I think to a certain extent, yeah. even though the Jarvises weren't doing anything in particular, but no. trying to be there, it's just they just—they're like, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, I don't—I don't necessarily want to call it jealousy, um, but it does come from that spot. It does come a little—I think a right. little bit of that came from that place, and I think even uh, even Jenny herself has said that in an interview mm-hmm. on how um, 
Janice was starting to to show a lot of signs of jealousy towards her and and irritants later on. So, and right. I think that started before they left. To be honest, yeah, I think the Mathesons felt like they kept getting dealt a shitty hand in life over and over, and it really built up and it started to drive them crazy. Right. And those signs don't show until um, until the next part of this story when they return. But over the next ten years, the Mathesons seem to continue paying their mortgage. Their home doesn't go in, you know, doesn't go into foreclosure. It's not sold to any other couples or anything like right. that. It remains just sitting there, um, and it's still apparently owned by the Mathesons. And the Jarvises do their best to maintain the property. I think for their friends' sake and also for the neighborhood's sake, they don't want this dilapidated home that could potentially be overtaken by squatters or yeah, who knows what. It, it, it could bring down their property value. Animals, yeah, yeah whatever. I mean, you let that grass grow up alone, I mean, you're going to have rats. And mm-hmm. then they lived right next door. So, I mean, I see, I get their thinking. And, they, and not only were they taking yeah. care of the home, they were also making it look like somebody was there. You know, they would check, they would check exactly. the mail. They would put the garbage out. Like you said, they'd yep. keep the lawn cut. I mean, of course, the house was falling mm-hmm. apart, but, I mean, they can't do everything. You can't expect them to sink right. money into maintaining a home that no one lives in. But they exactly. did They did what so any good neighbors and, would do, in my opinion. Exactly. So Erwin and Jenny, like we said, maintaining their property the best that they could. They never went in the home or anything like that. That would be overstepping the boundaries right. by anything, by the law and by their friends and all that stuff. So they, they never did anything like that, but they would check the doors periodically to make sure that they were still locked, check the windows to make sure no one had broken in. And mow the lawn, and and by the you know by ten years in, Jenny had a giant like trash bag filled with mail um, that was the Matheson's mail. So, saving it just in case, just in case they reappeared. And then suddenly, after ten years, ex- that's exactly what happened. The Mathesons reappear. They're seen in their driveway by the Jarvises um, unloading, and they're just the Jarvises are just completely elated to see them. They can't believe what they're seeing. You know that they've returned. But the excitement didn't seem to go both ways. The Mathesons had clearly changed for the worse during their 10 years away. Um, the Jarvises would come to find out that Robert had struggled to find work and they had bounced around from town to town. And Janice had apparently been suffering from a serious health problem. So it had not been a good 10 years for the Mathesons. And meanwhile, they're looking at the Jarvises whose life hasn't changed. It's still perfect in their eyes, you know, and, and you can probably immediately sense the resentment they had reappear right. um, after all these no years. Doubt. Um, and so now the Jarvises had a couple of uh, apparent things that had changed physically. Like they had a they had this large aggressive dog, a husky, which the the show had it as a Rottweiler. I was about to say, but I think yeah, it, Rottweiler <laughs> makes way more sense. It made it way scarier. But a husky barking right. at it, I, don't I know, know, right? Huskies are. I haven't seen too many like aggressive huskies. I mean, I don't don't know. get me wrong. I don't want to get attacked by any dog around that size. Yeah, and a husky's but are huge. I yeah. would. But if somebody is like. You want to battle this husky or this Rottweiler? I'm like, bro, give me the husky all day. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, Rottweilers have more of a reputation for the potential to be aggressive and stuff. I've had several and been around several, and they're sweethearts. Yeah. So it's all in how you raise them. So, like we say, huskies usually aren't aggressive, but if if you are a couple like the Mathesons who are angry at the right. world and stuff, and you want to shut, if you want to shut everyone out it's a perfect chance to train a dog to be that way. And it seems like that was what was going on. They were making this dog aggressive. They seemed like they constantly kept it on like a choker chain and were like letting it lunge at people and not stopping it, like almost uh, letting letting it happen or like encouraging it to do right. so. Yeah. Like it seemed like they were rewarding it for being an aggressive they dog. They were. That's and what they wanted. You can. That's what they wanted. Yeah. They wanted people to stay away. That's exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted. They were shutting the world yep. out. They were. 
because they were angry at the world for, like I said, dealing them hand after hand of, of bad cards. And also, I think at this point, they were embarrassed. There was a there was a little yeah. bit of embarrassment, like, uh, hey, we're not a charity. We don't need your help, even though they did. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and that's a hard thing to admit. It really is, especially when you were doing fine and we're such close friends and fit in so well with this well-to-do neighborhood. You know what I mean? I'm not saying these people are rich or wealthy or anything, but they were nice homes with nice yards and kept up people who had careers. And, and then now you're the family that's barely making it by your house is falling apart. Everybody sees it. You show up randomly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think that they, I think they hadn't, this was uh, not something they wanted to, I didn't think they want, I don't think they wanted to return to this home. I think this was a Hail Mary. They had to do it. Because I mean, I think that when they left that house, they had no plans of ever returning. I agree, hundred percent. Things went well. Then, um, then uh, the husband of the Mathesons would have found a job, you know, and, uh, and Jesse, as I'm speaking of, right. would have found a, a solid job somewhere in another town, and they could have started anew without, you know, the reputation that they had. Right, hundred percent. That's probably what they. That's what they tried to do. Like you said, I think when they left ten years ago, they had no intent in coming back. They were just like, well, yeah. we lost everything else, and we still own this house. And even if they try to take it from us, it's going to take us this, it's going to take this much length of time at least, you know what I mean? So it just mm-hmm. buys them time. I think they came back just to buy some time at that house. Exactly. Yeah. And so another th- shocking thing to the, uh, to the Jarvises when, or well, to the Mathesons, the, the Jarvises noticed when they, the Mathesons returned was that they also had a nine, eight or nine year old boy. So they had apparently succeeded in their next attempt to have a child. Yeah. Shortly after their their um, disappearance from this town and from their home, right? Um, not long after that, they must have had a son, and now the son was eight or nine years old, and so they were like so happy for them on that front. But right off the bat, as we mentioned, the Mathesons are extremely cold to their former close friends, the Jarvises. It was clear that money was tight for Janice, uh, for Janice and Jesse. Um, um, and so within a few days of them moving back into their home, Jenny decided to swing by, knock on the door and bring them a box of food to help them while they got settled back into their home. You know, she, in the show, it it had her say like, I don't know if you had time to go to the grocery store with all, you know, as busy as you are moving back in and stuff. So we had some food laying around, tried to make it as, uh, not as uncomfortable right exactly the situation you don't want to be like you guys look like you're starving and don't have money for food here's a box of food right. you poor you poor things we, you need this more than we right. do i'm sure that's how janice felt it was uh you know in her own head that's probably how right. it felt to her but though. i doubt that's the way jenny said it i right. really do of course not yeah people yeah. people around here have a, have a way of putting things very nicely very digestible i like to call it in the South, mm-hmm. people know how to how to say things and do things where, you know, you feel good about it afterwards, <clears throat> unless you're just looking to take it as malintent. You know what I'm saying? And if that's right. the case, there's nothing that's going to stop you from taking it that way. Exactly, and that's I mean that's something we see with one of, one of the listeners' email or uh, messages that they sent us about their story about their neighbors. The malintent thing is like it can be. You can have the most sincere of gestures towards someone, and sometimes they, they, it's just there's nothing you can do to change their mind that that was a an attack on them or something like that. You know, some people are, in their own head they spin these web of of uh, lies and things like that, or maybe they're just mentally not well, right. and in their own head you're attacking them even though you're just sincerely trying to help right. them. That's exactly like right. with with the brownies that we see in, in the listener's story about their neighbor later on. That's right. So on the part of the Mathesons, there was clearly 
uh, to everyone in the neighborhood, they could see that there was some jealousy on the part of the Jarvises. Um, the jealousy would quickly turn into rage and resentment. One night when some kids came through the neighborhood and kicked over everyone's trash cans, something that can happen in everywhere, anywhere. Oh. It doesn't matter how nice your neighborhood is. Kids, kids will be kids and, you know, they're going to be little assholes sometimes. And they went around and kicked everyone's trash cans <laughs> over. The next morning, Jenny went out to retrieve her can and started dragging it up the driveway but had apparently accidentally grabbed the Mathesons by mistake. Common mistake, a lot of trash cans look the same. You know, probably went to the same hardware store and got the same trash can that was on sale or whatever. Right. Um, no, she didn't make it halfway up the driveway before Janice came flying out of her house screaming that she was trying to steal her trash can. And in the in the episode of Fear Thy Neighbor, man, this actress who plays Janice, she's like, so it's funny because like in the beginning of the episode, she looks like, an, you know, just a nice, sweet lady smiling and stuff. And then in this scene is when you see this monster come out and this actress did a great job of just showing this just disgust and rage yeah, she, for her neighbor trying to steal her trash can and she's screaming in her face and don't do that again yeah <laughs> just crazy yeah yeah it does it did seem over the top but at the same time i'm like yeah, mm, yeah i could see them being on but, edge at this point well they're trying to portray a woman who's losing her mind as well because that was what was going on and you yeah. see that i had every bit of question i had about you know maybe this is a one-sided show and maybe we're only hearing the perspective of the jarvises and the mathises don't get their say in this every bit of that i had every bit of doubt was immediately squashed when we see what the inside of their house looks like at the end of this case yes every bit of that was gone because i was like they were batshit crazy they were just they they had gone all these things had piled up on them and they had they'd lost their minds well and not only that there were throughout the documentary there's testimonies from other neighbors who completely yes. backed up uh what the jarvises were saying almost on every account yeah. mm-hmm. it was a one-sided hatred towards the mathesons towards the jarvis i mean towards the jarvises yeah. by the by the mathesons where it was like the, the jarvises would come out into their yard and immediately the mathesons would be there screaming at them and it would they, and nine out of ten times the jarvises didn't respond at all they would just do their thing and, and keep walking yep. And all the neighbors basically had the same thing to say about it, is that that was the way it was. Yep. Um, now, as far as the story, the Jarvises were about to learn that the Mathesons had not only changed, but they had gone straight up bad. The miscarriage, financial woes, and health problems had driven them to a desperate insanity, and all of their rage seemed to be directed uh, solely at their friendly neighbors, the Jarvises. And it, what's funny is that, well, not funny, but it's kind of weird, is that they really only directed it at them. Like, they were still cordial to the other neighbors. Mm-hmm. Like, the neighbors across the street were, you know, in this show talking about uh, what they had seen and all that, and it was like, yeah, they were still nice to us. That's what was weird. You know what's funny? <laughs> and you, know what, you know what really struck me as odd? It kind of rubbed me the wrong way as well, is that almost all the other neighbors were younger and, and more in yeah. shape and more likely to whoop their ass. But yet they want oh, yeah, to pick on the older neighbors. The older couple. They, they, yeah. they picked on the older couple the entire time, which really mm-hmm. frustrated me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, the couple that, that seemingly can't really defend themselves. Exactly. And they're screaming at them and yelling at them and taunting them while they're on their own property. I mean, both uh-huh. families are on their own property. It's yep. just it's unreal, man. Like there's only there's there's no other explanation for that than some sort of mental duress. It's going on. You got to be going through something. Exactly. There's just no way that you would continue to attack someone who's not attacking you back if you don't mm-hmm. got something going on in there. Or you just, or it's just yeah. misprojection. You know, they're angry. 
they're they're stressed out and they want to take it out on somebody they don't know where to direct their anger yeah they want to take it out on somebody they where they know there won't be no consequences they think well if these people want to yeah. retaliate we can take them yeah you they're know? punching down trying to yeah trying to, that's what it felt like to yeah. me Yeah, and so following the the trash can incident, um, the Jarvises still were not content with just keeping this thing the way it was. They they wanted to keep the peace with their neighbors. Um, they'd never experienced anything like this, and it was stressing them out. So they tried to walk over when the uh, Mathesons were out in their yard working on something. They tried to walk over and kind of just be friendly, like, hey. And as soon as they started entering into the yard of the Mathesons, they lost their minds again and said, get off my property. Um, screaming at them, and it was at that point it was it was no more, you know, trying on the part of the Jarvises as far as like, okay, this is not going to happen. Like, we'll just keep to ourselves and let them be, and let bygones be bygones because apparently they want nothing to do with us being friends anymore. Right. Um, and it was following that incident that the signs started to be put into the ground along the property line. The Mathesons started posting excessive amounts of no trespassing signs right along the property line that divided uh, them from the Jarvises. Yeah. And so it must have just looked bizarre to anyone driving through because it was literally just a row of no trespassing signs on one side of the property, not on the other side, because like we said, they had no problem with the other neighbors. Right. <laughs> it was just exactly. The- <laughs> and they were wanting to put up, uh, and they put their houses for sale too. So they put up a for sale yeah. sign amongst all those signs. Yeah. And it's like, how do you expect to sell your house? If I'm driving by, I'm going, <laughs> why the fuck do they need that many no trespassing signs? Yeah. Like, they got a serious... Yeah, and, for, and the house is falling apart as right. well. Right, it's like, they got a serious trespassing problem here. Why would I even want this place? Right. It's like, right. they didn't realize... But of course, that was the Jar- of course, that was the Jarvis's fault, though. Yeah, yeah. exactly. In their, own, in their own minds. Oh, I see what you're saying. The Mathesis think it's the Jarvis's fault. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah. Yeah, so as you mentioned, a for sale sign goes up to to kind of add to the trespassing signs, and it, this was not really known by the other neighbors. Although the you know I'm sure most of the neighborhood knew that the Mathesons were struggling financially, it was apparent, but um, they were secretly on the verge of losing their home. They hadn't paid their mortgage in nearly a year, and it was going into foreclosure. And actually, it had been listed as a foreclosure, and there were there were random people pulling up and kind of like surveying the home from a distance across the street because it, technically they could buy it from the bank at this point. Yes. Um, so they were just driving by and checking it out. And it might have helped that this house looked like such a shit show as far as that was concerned. It might have helped keep the – part of me wonders if that was a little bit hey. of what they were doing. The Mathesons yeah. always being outside, acting crazy, piling up shit along the property line, as we'll mention in a minute. Yeah. All the trespassing signs, you know, everything they were doing – that's a good and point. And then when you see the inside of the home with the toilets pulled out and everything, it's almost like were they just trying to stay here as long as they possibly could before the bank finally took it from them? I think they were. But, I mean, if you sell the house, you you might make a little bit of money, also get out of debt, and then you're free. But I, yeah. I don't, I don't under, I do understand, like... But the bank was not going to let that happen, as we see. It was already... Right. Do, it was done. It was, getting in for, it was in for closure. Like, now, I see... They were trying to sell the house under the bank's watch, and it's like, you, it, the bank's going to find out, and they're going to put this stop to this sale, you know? Yeah. And they're going to sell it themselves. Exactly. Exactly. And, and once it got to that point, then I see... Then I would see the sense in, you know, trying to make the house look like shit, or, or mm. being crazy, or whatever... Because they just wanted people to not want to interfere. I mean, God, yep. I mean, if I was driving by, I sure as hell wouldn't stop and be like, hey, is your house for sale? Can I take a look around? You know, not right. a chance. Right. I mean, the way that... Not when you see these two 
people who have all these for trespassing signs. They have put blue tarps over their windows. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the neighbors were speculating on what the hell are they trying to hide inside this home that they're putting up tarps over their windows. And their doors. I think they put up tarps over their back yeah. door. But I think a lot of that was just they weren't able to maintain the house. The, the doors and, and yeah. entryways and stuff were probably leaking or, or drafty, mm-hmm. and they had, you know, they had no ways of, of protecting the house from the elements. So they were just doing what yeah. they could. Yeah, so the Mathesons put their house, uh, they put this for sale sign out. They're taking, you know, all, you know, anybody that wants to make offers, they're hoping to sell this house before the bank can evict them. Um, however, they were convinced that because their home wasn't selling, it wasn't because of the state that their home was in and every, you know, all the things that they had done to contribute to that since moving back in. It was, the, it was obviously the Jarvis's fault because the Jarvis's had some – they had some boxes and bins in their backyard uh-huh. with some electrical equipment that had been back there since the beginning of yeah. time. Apparently, since ever <laughs> old Irwin had had these boxes of electrical stuff back there forever. It was just kind of his routine. I think he kept any parts he needed for that day when he would go to you know fix someone's electrical situation. He'd go out there and get right, it from his bins. Right, right, right. That's just what it was. It just makes sense. You you make money on that shit yeah. little by little over the years. The less you have yeah. to spend on materials, the better off you are. Exactly. But, uh, exactly. but, yeah, you left the trash back there. That's a deal breaker for me, man. I just can't look at all that electrical trash. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, when it comes to I'm trying to buy <laughs> right. the, the house next door to you, <laughs> right. those bins of electrical stuff oh, is no. the problem, not the tarps over the windows, no. the the row of shit along right. the property line, I, all the trespassing signs, the fact that the house is dilapidated and falling apart. Yeah. That, that, it's that electrical next I can door, deal next with door, that stuff, boxes. but goddamn, don't put your electrical shit out in the side yard, man. I just can't deal with that stuff. Right. Come on. Yeah. So one day when Jenny was out in the backyard, Janice would uh, come up and confront her about the boxes with electrical stuff, saying that that was the reason that the the uh, Mathesons were having such a hard time selling their home was because their neighbors had this junk in the backyard and, and says her tells her to get rid of it now. And Jenny's had it at this point with Janice being so violent and cruel to her. Um, and she says, no, I won't do that. And so it, she, she walks away, and next thing you know, they get a notice from the city that they had been reported about their junk in the backyard. And Erwin Ir- at that point begrudgingly took his boxes of electrical equipment inside. And, dude, that's and literally uh, all that t- all it takes to get to get that kind yeah. of shit. Because I, I used to work for the city here, um, for a local mm-hmm. city, and I, I asked people because I was all around the city. I saw shitty yards all over the place. And I, would at- mm-hmm. and I finally asked one of the guys who was over that type of thing, and I was like, well, what is it? what are the limits like how do you decide who has to clean up their yard and who doesn't yeah he's like well if it annoys somebody then they have to clean it up if it doesn't they're fine i'm like you gotta be kidding me and aren't you aren't they i don't know they're taught from my understanding to have blinders on so when they get a report of something you know someone has a complaint about some shit on somebody's yard they're taught to go straight to that yard and they pass up stuff just like that yes on other properties and then they'll they'll go and they'll you know give a citation or whatever yep. or a notice to someone to clean it up there. And meanwhile, their neighbor has the same thing going on, but they weren't reported to go to the neighbor's house. They were reported to go. That's to that right. One. Squeaky wheel gets the grease, man. Whatever whatever exactly. gets complained about, that's that's who gets the citation. And and yeah, if your so neighbor doesn't like kind you, kind of ironic. Yeah. It must have been kind of ironic and hypocritical when you know the the person the person working for the city showed up and. and gives a notice to to the Irwin or to I mean to the uh, Jarvis's about Irwin's stuff in the backyard. <laughs> Meanwhile, 
if he were to glance next door at the Mathesons at their shit show that they had going on. Oh, my on, God, I know. Quite literally, shit show. Literally next door, a shit show. You know, the amount of citations he could have given them, but he wasn't reported to go there. So mm. that's, that's, just, that's the way it that's is, way like it you is. mentioned. So, yeah. <clears throat> Nothing the Jarvises did was enough, however. Janice seemed to have an obsession with her neighbors, mainly Jenny. Every time Jenny came outside, Janice would quickly appear and loudly berate her, calling her a whore and a filthy pig. She called her the trash queen, I believe. She did, um, yeah. All kinds of nasty names. Um, and Irwin wasn't completely excluded no either. No basis Janice for would call him either. Just no, shouting out yeah. random stuff. This is a woman who, later in this story, is throwing her own human feces at someone, and she's calling this woman a, a, a pig yeah. and a trash queen. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you're literally throwing shit. You're literally shit. throwing shit. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, Irwin wasn't completely excluded from this uh, verbal abuse. Um, Janice would call him fat and lazy when he came outside, and she would frequently walk her dog, the large, aggressive dog, up and down the property line, threatening to have the dog kill them and their son. Um, she's getting to, to this point when she's getting to straight up death threats. Like there was yeah. times where she would do the, the whole throat slitting thing with her fingers mm-hmm. to Jenny when she was outside. Um, and as we mentioned, what was odd is that Jenny, Jesse and Janice were still cordial to the other neighbors while being completely vile to the Jarvises. Yeah. Um, finally the, the Jarvises would turn to the police who came out on several occasions and took reports, but all they would do is take statements. And of course, when they came out, the Mathesons would do their best to act normal and say, I don't know what they're talking about. I mean, and what are you supposed as we've to seen do before, this, as, as even yeah, as you, an officer, what are you supposed to do? I mean, you hear one yeah, side, unless you have any, t- you go hear the, unless you have some sort of video evidence or something, there's nothing they really can't exactly. do. Exactly. I mean, you hear one side, then you go to the other side and hear the complete opposite. Okay, cool. Now I'm at ground zero. Like what do I? I guess what you what they could have done is talk to the neighbors, maybe because the neighbors saw what was going on. They were witness to all this. Yeah, so maybe but the neighbors could have gave them a clearer. Neighbors picture. don't want to get involved, man. They don't want to be seen out in their front yard <laughs> right. talking to the police about they these. They don't want to crazy... become the next target. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and that was, and I think that's that's another reason why the Mathesons kept doing this. I mean, they like I said, they wanted people to stay away from them, and everyone else got the message. Mm. But at the first, yeah, I mean, maybe if maybe if. Um, if the Jarvis. Jarvises wouldn't have even tried to confront them again, maybe they just let the uh, let the Mathesons take the first step when they move back. Mm-hmm. Maybe none of this happens. You know, maybe they were just frustrated because of that, because yeah. they tried to put the spotlight on them. They just wanted to show up. They wanted to get their shit. They wanted to buy some time, and then they wanted to leave. Maybe that's all exactly. they wanted to do. And so. The police come out, they take reports, oh, they no. do this over and over again, and what they recommend is that the Jarvises get a restraining order against the Mathesons, and they decide finally that might be the best thing to try and stop this harassment, and they actually take the Mathesons to court, and they make the mistake of not getting an attorney to represent them, and they try to present their case, and the judge is just not, he's saying, you know, this isn't, you're not presenting your case well enough, and I'm not going to give you this restraining order. And so from there on, of course, the harassment just got worse because now it's like the it's like the uh, the Mathesons were almost justified in like now we can be as crazy as we want and the and the police and the courts are not going to help you, uh, you know. Right. Well, they were staying within a certain bounds. They weren't touching anybody. They weren't going off of their property. Um, they weren't taking any of the thing. They weren't taking any of the Jarvis's things. You know what yeah. I mean? So so legally. It's, it's kind of hard to get someone arrested for yelling in their yard. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I'm saying? It's just, I mean, there's disturbing the peace, but you're the only one that's saying that, right. I guess. Yeah, because the neighbors weren't willing to step up and back up the Jarvises. Right, but I understand them not wanting to get involved at the same time, too. Yeah, because the, the, the Mathisons are certifiably crazy at this point. Right. You don't want them turning that turning that focus to you. And they, they seem to have nothing better to do other than, than spend all their days waiting for their neighbors to come out and torment them. Like, they don't have jobs. They're just, they're always seemingly, right. like, either watching out their window for the Jarvises to come outside or they're already out in the yard waiting for them. Yep. It's I know, really they bizarre. said that Jesse, they said that Jesse was working part-time, but, I mean, mm-hmm. even at part-time, he still has plenty of time to help uh, Janine harass the uh, Jarvises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so um, it, it got to the point where Janice would even be out, out at like 6 a.m. on weekends dragging uh, a shovel up and down the driveway, making a, a loud scraping noise just to annoy her neighbors. Um, yeah. they, they made them seem like zombies almost in this show, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, they Especially did. Especially at the end. Yeah. And that scene as well. Yeah. Them dragging the shovel. And that that is loud. If you've ever drove, if you've oh, ever yeah. drug like the, the, sharp, the point of a shovel down concrete i mean it is loud that sound carries mm-hmm. forever and she was like doing that first thing in the morning and <laughs> yep. all day yeah and this is where it gets to the point where you actually could seemingly file charges if you could prove that they were doing this but she began throwing food jenny started began throwing rotten food and feces on jenny's clothes that were hanging out on the clothesline in the backyard so she'd come out and her sheets were white sheets would just be stained with who knows what she didn't know quite yet what it was, but seemingly tomatoes and some sort of manure or shit. Yeah. Um, and by now Irwin is carrying a pistol on him at all times. He's decided he doesn't even feel, he's like, I didn't need this for anywhere, but my own property, which is the sad part. He's like, I, when I go out on the town, I don't feel like I need a gun. This is a safe town and whatnot, but right. on my own property, I feel like I need it because my neighbors are so crazy. Mm. Um, he then, uh, Jesse then at this point started piling up what seemed to be manure. It was just, it just reeked all along the property line, dividing the Jarvises and the Mathesons. Um, and the manure was later determined to be mixed with human feces. And we'll get into that more a little bit later. But finally, the Mathesons found a buyer for their home. And it seemed to be maybe the Jarvises' nightmare was ending. Um, but of course, the bank had other plans. They wouldn't allow the sale of this house to go on because it was already in foreclosure and you know they should have known that already you're not gonna be able to sell the house the banks already got their hands on it yeah they're gonna try and recoup what they can from you know what you haven't been paying you know it's too bad that the mathesons uh and they may have they just didn't want to but it's too bad they didn't have the the financial ability to buy this home wouldn't that be wouldn't that be some great justice like, oh, actually i own the your Jarvis's, house you get mean? the fuck out of here right yeah the Jarvis's. The Jarvis's. That'd be if they could buy the Matthewson's house, you know, right. and just feel like, get the hell out of here, right? Renovate it. I mean, they walk I mean, over and they're like, and the, and the Matthewsons are like, "Get off our property!" Like, actually, here's the deed. This is our property. You get <laughs> actually, off our this property. This is our property, <laughs> and we're calling the fucking police. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. That I would mean, be great. and Irwin was already an electrician, so I'm sure he had he had a lot of trade skills. He could. Oh yeah, he could have fixed, fixed a lot so. of issues with the house. Yeah. And they yep. could have gotten some good renters in there, and then you get to stay where you are, and you get to yep. pick who lives beside you. It's a win-win. Exactly. Yeah, so unfortunately, the Mathesons remained in place until they would be evicted, which we know can take who knows how long. You know, it's, there's never really, like, an exact timeline on that. It's whenever the banks get pushy enough to send police to evict you, I guess. 
Yeah. Um, so the verbal abuse and threats would continue. And one day when Irwin was loading things into his truck, Janice was out doing her normal routine of calling him fat and lazy and yelling at him. Um, when his gun allegedly fell out of his pocket and his his jacket, I think he sat his jacket. The, the show showed it like him setting his jacket, like a vest on the side of his truck, on the bed of his right. truck. The jacket falls, the gun falls out of the pocket onto the ground. And of course, Janice began screaming that he had pointed the gun at her. Now, at this point, I feel like he's lost it, though. Like, he's already gone. Like, uh, speaking about Irwin, like, they have pushed him to the brink now. And I, I wouldn't even doubt if he had pointed the gun at her, like, at this point, because this man is, they've pushed him over the edge as we see shortly what happens. Right. But, but you know what, though? He, he has no reason to lie about it. And true. And as far as true. we can tell, uh, he had no, he didn't lie about anything else beforehand. So I mm-hmm. think at this point, I think she was kind of overreacting. Yeah, but maybe it, but maybe it kind of broke the ice. Janice overreact? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, how could that? That doesn't sound like her. No, well, occasionally she attended overreact. You know. Oh, okay. I mean, like when when the neighbor uh, accidentally grabs her trash can and she loses her mind. Yeah, and remember that one time she was throwing feces. Yeah, that that too. The whole shit throwing thing. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's a little bit. That's a little bit over the top. Yeah, I love this part. Uh, Irwin, as we mentioned, was interviewed during this this TV show. And um, he talks about this scenario where, you know, the gun fell out. And he, he said, I just picked it up and I put it in my pocket. I didn't even look at her. I didn't talk to her. Yeah. Um, however, this, this event was followed by Jesse, Jesse, like either later that day or the next day, um, confronting Irwin about uh, how he had been harassing his wife, Janice. And Irwin at this point um, to the TV show producers, he said, you know, if I would have just, I, I wish I would have stood up for myself in this moment. And I, w- I wish I would have just cold cocked him right then. And I probably would have been a lot better off than what I later did. But yeah. I've always, he said, but I've always believed that you cannot defeat crazy. I was like, that is the whole story to this case. Like he just, it really is. It would have just made things worse if you had punched him, you know, I, I he would, yeah. I, I don't think it would have made anything better. It, well, it, it they, is he going to make that guy? Is he going to make Jesse less crazy? No, it's definitely no, not. No, but it could have blew off a little steam, and that may yeah. have been what Irwin needed. True, true. Um, mm. But you don't know how they're going to retaliate, though. At the yeah. same time, I mean, they're already throwing feces at you yeah. and threatening your life with a dog, and mm-hmm. then you go and actually assault them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, then you're in trouble, right? Because then now they call the police, and now you look like the bad people. Yeah, now you're in court paying a bunch of lawyer bills to defend yourself on why you assaulted your neighbor. Exactly. And in the police's eyes, you're the guy who assaulted the other people, and now they're justified, the neighbors are. Yep, regardless of what happened, yep, regardless of what happened, you Mm -hmm. acted first. Yep. Yep. Um, so Jenny says that around this time, Jesse would even also frequently follow her in her car. So she'd be driving down her town in North Carolina and he would pull out of some parking lot and just start trailing her. And she knew it was now, him that he'd be staring at her through the mirror. Mm, um, this the ten- is just creepy. Yeah, dude, this is just beyond like this. That's like stalker. Like you, you feel like you should. Should be able, she could prove it once again. They did, I think they did end up putting up cameras and stuff, but by then it was like already on the verge of what was about to happen was going to happen. Um, right, exactly. When you're talking the, about uh, them having a lot of free time, this speaks to that yeah. right there. They had time to literally, at least Jesse did, follow her around town. Right. That is insane to me. Not only yeah. harassing her at her home, but mm-hmm. now everywhere she goes as well. Yeah, so Jesse's following her back home into their neighborhood and then she pulls in the driveway and there's Janice waiting for her right on the property line to to just call her a fat pig and everything else yep um so the tension at this time was felt by everyone in the neighborhood this had gone on for four years that was the part that blew me away in like four years of this dude no wonder Irwin finally completely snapped 
Oh, it's I know. just seemingly endless. It's like, when is the the bank finally going to freaking go through and evict them so that this nightmare can end? Yeah, um, it seems like it would go on forever at this time. Every time that Jenny went outside without Erwin, Janice would be extra aggressive towards her, um, even at one point throwing human feces at her and hitting her with it. And they would come to find out later that that's what it was. They, they had an inkling because it just didn't seem like your normal cow manure. It reeked far beyond that, and right. their inspection of their home would later prove that this was, in fact, human feces, and we'll get into that. But could you imagine your neighbors every day you pull up, and they're not only verbally just assaulting you on a daily basis, but then they're throwing shit on you, throwing shit on your sheets in the backyard, threatening mm-hmm. your life, threatening your, your son's life, just endless torment. Like I said, man, they lasted a lot longer than I think a lot of people would have. Mm. Irwin uh, found himself spending more and more time in the basement, kind of uh, just isolated, and his wife said that he'd become different at this point. He was not his same, you know, fun-loving self. Um, He was an easygoing guy, and now all of a sudden he was just in the basement, just you almost picture him just staring at the wall, just trying to just get through these days. Yeah. Um, He had grown distant. hear them, (laughs) probably. Right. Yeah, I imagine it's probably a brick basement. He could go down there and not hear Janice screaming outside. Exactly. Or dragging a shovel up and down the driveway. It was kind of clear at this point that Irwin was on the verge of snapping. And on the, the morning of September 30th, 2013, and this was very strange to me. when I, You can't plan this shit or, or write this shit. This episode that you're listening to right now was released. We're recording Sunday, uh, but Wednesday is going to be September 30th. So the day that we release this episode will be exactly seven years from the day that this happened. Damn. Isn't that bizarre? That is bizarre. On the anniversary. Good timing. Good timing indeed, Michael from the past. Good time for an ad. You know what's rare? Experiencing full plates of food, but still having a full wallet. But with America's Best Value Meal Kit, that is possible. That's right. I'm talking about every plate. With every plate, you'll get meals you'll enjoy and your bank account will love, delivered right to your door. Think of it this way. One meal is the same price as one cup of coffee. And every plate is up to 58% cheaper than any other major meal kit out there. You can't beat it. Every plate dinners are the cheaper alternative to takeout or delivery. Recipes come together in about 30 minutes, definitely faster than a trip to the grocery store. And starting a meal from scratch, don't even get me started on that. Listen, I'm no chef, but I whipped up this panko ranch pork chops uh, in a matter of about 40 minutes, and my family loved them. It came with roasted carrots, oven fries, and a zesty dipping sauce. It was delicious. Crispy crumble on the outside of the pork chops with the tender inside. Everything went together well, and safe to say, everyone's plate was clear. And one of the best things about this dinner was we spent less time deciding on what to cook and how to cook it, and more time just being together. Every plate's easy to follow recipes and pre-portioned ingredients take the stress out of dinner time. Every plate does the meal planning, the shopping, and prepping for you, taking the time-consuming guesswork out of cooking. Never buy more ingredients than you need because every plate's recipes come with everything already pre-measured. Every plate now offsets 100% of their carbon emissions. So what have you got to lose? You know you're still sitting there wondering what you're going to have for dinner tonight. Why not get three weeks of every plate meals for only $2.99 per meal? 
You can do that by going to everyplate.com and entering code CREEPER3. That's C-R-E-E-P-E-R, the number three. Again, that's everyplate.com, code word CREEPER3. So on the morning of September 30th, 2013, Jenny kissed her husband, Irwin, and drove off for work just like any other day. She said that Irwin seemed normal. He said, you know, love you, have a great day, blah, blah, blah. Um, and later that day, I think Irwin may have gone to work too, and later that day before Jenny had gotten home from work around 4.15 p.m., Irwin took his dogs out for a walk, and this involved passing the Matheson's home. As he passed the house, Janice held up her phone as if she were taking a photo or video of him. Irwin uh, obliged her and flipped her off. Mm -hmm. Um, and continued on his way, walking his dog, ignoring the screaming. He said that usually he could hear them screaming until he was out of earshot, like as far as he he had to get far enough to where you couldn't hear a human screaming anymore. That's how far he had to get. Um, She and Jesse, that being uh, Janice, continued to berate Irwin as as long as they could until he was out of earshot. Approximately 30 minutes later, Irwin returned home, walking past their home again, put his dogs inside, and came back back out to the front of his home to, to go to his mailbox. Of course, Janice continued her verbal assault and said something that finally pushed Irwin over the edge. He didn't say exactly what it was, but the, the show alluded to maybe the fact that she called him a coward, which I think makes sense. You know, like if you're just pushed to this point and you've you've kept all your feelings inside, you're this steam that's you're you know like a uh, you're built up with steam and you're about to explode, and then someone calls you a coward, like you won't do anything about it. Right. The fact that I've just been tormenting you for four years and you're a coward, you won't do anything, and it just pushed him, yeah, to the point where he he said shut up, and of course him saying anything back to her, he finally made her said lose her back. mind. Yeah, God forbid he says shut up after you've been calling his wife a pig, throwing shit at them, and everything else for four he years. He says shut up. <laughs> yeah. He says, shut up to her, at which point in his testimony, he says that she began running at him with her arms waving, and he just pulled his gun out and began firing. Um, Jesse, of course, ran to his wife's defense, and he was gunned down as well. In the end, 15 shots were fired at the Mathesons before Irwin's gun jammed. So I think he, I mean, most magazines on a, on a pistol like that are like 16 rounds. So he might've had one more in there, but that, that last round jammed. Yeah. And you know, damn well, he would have put that round in him as well if, if it was available. Um, because he was even seen by a neighbor and the Matheson's 12 year old son who was watching from a second story window. That's a really tragic part of this story is that the, the son who, you know, it, it's an innocent 12 year old and his parents had lost their minds. Unfortunately, he was dealing with that. And now he witnesses them be murdered in their own driveway. Right. But didn't he put one final shot into Jesse? Yeah. Um, so he, the witnesses, including the 12-year-old son, witnessed Irwin stand over Jesse because he was there still alive comforting his wife, who I believe was already dead. And Irwin walked over him and put a bullet in his head. So uh, that means he cleared the jam. Executing him. Reloaded the bullet. Well, I think that the gun jammed after that shot because oh, the gun, okay. you, it actually, there's actually a picture of it in evidence, and you can see the round jammed in it. Oh, interesting. So, okay. Yeah. He then tossed the gun to the side. Um, Jesse and, and uh, Janice were dead at this point. He had, I think he put eight shots in Janice and seven into uh, Irwin, I mean to uh, Jesse. Jesse, and yeah. they'd both been shot in the head as well. He tossed the gun to the side and stood right there in the driveway and waited for the police to arrive. Um. And, uh, yeah, so he, he was, obviously this was, he's going to try and claim self-defense. This is, there's, there's just no, 
ground to stand on for self-defense here because nope. he was in their yard. He shot them in their own driveway, and well, it goes well beyond self-defense when you put 15 rounds in two people who don't, who are unarmed. They have no guns. Yeah. They have no weapons. Yeah, I, and yeah. you stand over them and execute them. That is, that's yeah. not self-defense. I can't get behind that, man. I'm, I'm sorry. No, there's been people that's gone to prison for shooting people in their own homes, and if they're gonna mm-hmm. lock away those people, they have to. They have to. Uh, Prosecute Irwin here, like that. Irwin, yeah. Now, that being said, we we understand how it happened. Uh, absolutely, and we, we get that he lost his mind, and 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 it, it's not justifying his actions also, at all. You, you should. They should have moved. They should have moved. I know it's moved. brutal, um, yep. and I know that Irwin's wife, um, you know, Jenny. She this was the home she grew up in, all that, and it's sad. Yeah. But even if they temporarily moved and kept paying the mortgage and, and rented somewhere until the Mathesons left, something, you know, but they, they had to get away from this situation and, and sh- murdering them in their driveway is not the answer. Nope. Nope. But at the same time, playing devil's advocate here, like this this couple not only not only tormented him and pushed him to the limit, but they also they also threatened his son and his daughter do- and his wife every every single day. I mean, talking yep. about they're gonna kill them. That they're going to release yep. this dog on their son. Yep. yep. Like if you're if you're threatening my kids, and my wife, like like you said, the, the, the obvious thing is to just get them out of harm's way. That's the easiest exactly. situation. So you can continue to be together and live your life somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But if your wife absolutely won't move, and I mean Irwin, at, toward the end of his life, you know, I mean, what he was in his sixties. He was sixty when this when he shot the when See he what shot I mean? the neighbors. He's thinking, yep. well, Fuck at least it. I can give my wife, <laughs> I can give my wife and my son some peace. And I can't help but think that as soon as he dropped that gun and they were gone, he probably had this this moment of this, this extreme relief where he was just like, "Well, it's over." <laughs> you know, ain't that crazy, man? It sounds messed up, but I feel like that's that was where he was at. Was just like I can't hear that lady scream at me or my wife anymore. She can't throw shit at us anymore. It's over. It's over. It's definitely yeah. over. Life as you know, it's over. Yeah. Sure. Oh yeah. And now he'll spend the rest of his days in prison. Um, and when the police uh, arrived, they obviously took Irwin into custody, and they eventually took a walk around the Matheson's home. And what they found was what one neighbor called a quote visual record of their emotional state. Video evidence of the home, which you can actually see online, shows disturbing living conditions, especially when you consider that they had a young child living there as well. Their toilets had been removed and set aside, replaced with hefty bags as to produce the feces they needed to stack along their property line and to throw at their neighbors. Large jugs of urine were sat about the home, trash bags everywhere, no food and general filth, and they were raising a young child in this home. Um, Irwin was subsequently charged with two counts of first of second degree murder, and he insisted that it was self-defense. Of course, the courts and the uh, jury disap- uh, disagreed with that. Irwin would end up accepting a plea bargain and receive 32 years in prison, which means he'd be 92 years old if he ever lives out his full sentence. Um, and police, police records later showed that they were called to the neighbors' homes more than two dozen times in the three years before the couple was killed. So police were called out there time and time and time again. Um, nothing changed, and Irwin finally snapped. Um, well, Jenny continued uh, to live in the home that she grew up in and now has new neighbors moved in next to the Ma- uh, in the Matheson's former home. So Jenny's still living there. Man, uh, I bet her neighbors are scared down. shitless. 
of her. <laughs> like they're like, hey, don't go near that lady. Her husband shot those neighbor, her last neighbors in their driveway. Because right. you know that's yeah. the only story that gets told now. All the all the harass, the four years of harassment's all gone out the window when you kill someone. Right. You She's probably just like, watch Fear Thy Neighbor, you'll understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> watch, it's uh, season, season, season four. Season two, or I think it's <laughs> season four, episode two. Yeah, yeah season four, episode two. It'll That's a good point. I didn't. I forgot to. Br- I, I forgot to mention how you guys can f- find this episode. It, it is Fear Thy Neighbor. You can find it on uh, Discovery ID, and it's season four, episode two. The episode is called "Desperate Times, Deadly Measures." So, yeah. if you want to watch it, like I said, I rented it on YouTube for a dollar ninety nine. So, there you go. You can well do that worth too. it. Well worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very good true crime uh, doc, or yeah. mini doc and rather. So, that was. Uh, the Jarvises versus the Mathesons. We hope you guys enjoyed that. There's so many more, so many more stories like this of neighborly disputes. So many more episodes of Fear Thy Neighbor that we could cover if we wanted to do a series on neighbor disputes. Yeah, we we've could. Done a, we could do a few. A couple of series. <laughs> so. Yeah, we could. And we've even got some a couple stories from our listeners that we can get into from Patreon that that wrote us about some horrific neighbor situations they've had. Oh my gosh! So, Insane stories. Yeah. You want to get into that now or? Yeah, let's do that, and then we'll get into our shout-outs and our sponsors. And uh, So, yeah, thank you, those that wrote in, um, and and we'll thank more (laughs) listeners in a minute, give some shout-outs and stuff. But, yeah, let's get into the story that a couple people wrote us from Patreon about their neighbors. Awesome. Okay, so— I'll let Michael go ahead and take that. All right, so the one i got to start with is from Mariah on on Patreon, or or Maria. It's a long one, too. It's a long one. It's like a novel she wrote us. It 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 is. really— paints a beautiful she she wrote it very well and the, I felt like I got to know the characters in this I got to know her and her family and and this person that moved in across the street yeah and it's very me, scary right and let, let me let me start with this when I first saw how long it was I was like oh no oh god here we go but to be honest once I started reading it I couldn't stop reading it so you got sucked in right same hopefully with me. you guys will feel the same way so all right so here we go this is word for word um from Mariah on Patreon so It says, back in the spring of 2015, my husband and I moved into a trailer park in Kentwood, Michigan, which is a suburb of Grand Rapids. We were excited. It was our first home for us and our boys in a really nice neighborhood with a great school district. Everything was going great. We loved the neighbors we had and their kids. I'm talking weekly, weekend barbecues, where the dads would all get together and tinker on whatever project, while us moms would drink coffee, make side dishes, and take turns tending the kids. It was like this all through the summer. Then fall came, and Tiny moved in across the street. Tiny was not tiny by any means. This man was well over six foot and over 300 pounds of muscle. He was an older, he was an older man, in his mid-fifties, just a beast of an old man. At first, everything was okay. He pretty much stayed to himself. He would wave hello and goodbye. But me being the people lover I was, I wanted him to feel included. So I made my mom's Mississippi mud brownies and brought them over. That sounds amazing, by the way. Um, Tiny was super appreciative and thanked me. He told me about his tour in Iraq, about his deceased wife and son. This is the conversation I regret every day. If I would have just let him be, none of what followed would have happened. So two weeks later, it was a warm day in October. So my oldest son, Bubba, who is eight, and Monkey, my youngest at the time, too, were playing on the front porch with chalk. Don't worry, we had gates on both stairs, and our slider door was wide open. When Bubba came dragging his little brother in the door, just screaming for me. 
When I finally calmed him down enough to actually understand what had happened, this is what he said. Quote, Mama, Tiny had a gun pointed at our house with a red light on it. He was going to shoot us. I'm sure that with both of you being parents, you can imagine my reaction. She's writing to us, me and Lauren. Um, I was confused. I was confused and angry. Bubba wasn't a liar, so I believed him right away. But I also knew that I was way smaller than Tiny, so I waited for my husband to get home from work. I put a movie on, sang some songs with my boys, but they didn't go back outside. 35 minutes later, my husband got home, and I told him what Bubba had said and how scared he was. Terry, of course, that was her husband, was concerned and went over to Tiny's house to chat. I paced our trailer from front to back until he came back. Terry said that it was just a misunderstanding, that yes, Tiny had his gun out, but he was only cleaning his rifle for hunting season. Well, we live in Michigan, so of course I took his explanation at face value. I later explained to Bubba what I thought he saw, but he was adamant that that wasn't what Tiny was doing. I had a feeling Bubba was right too, but Terry talked to him and believed Tiny. Terry naturally distrusts people, so if he believed him, it had to be my imagination. So nothing really happened again until November, when Terry moved to third shift. That was when the tapping on our windows started. It would always happen around 12 a.m., an hour after Terry left for work. At first, I thought it was just the damn tree outside of our bedroom window, but as the nights went on, the tapping became more frantic. Finally, on the third night, I called my husband. He left work and came right home to check it out. Then when we discovered the words filthy whore and Al-Qaeda trash scratched into the siding of our home, right under our bedroom window, we of course called the police. I knew it had to have been tiny. He was the only person I knew who went to Iraq and talked about Al-Qaeda but we couldn't prove it was him, so the police wrote it off as teen vandalism. From then on, if Tiny was outside, I made sure the boys and I were inside. My husband bought security cameras and set them up to look out our bedroom window and onto our front porch. We bought new locks that used a key and security code, and it was quiet for two weeks. Nothing happened. So fast forward. It was my birthday weekend. We were away at the mother's for the holiday. We left my car home and took Terry's truck. We were just sitting down to eat dinner when Reggie, our next-door neighbor, called my husband. Someone fired off shots in the park, and they had hit my car. Reggie called the cops, and we needed to come home to talk to them. We left the boys with my mom and rushed home. I I knew once again who did it and told the cops. They interviewed Tiny as well, and what do you think came of it? Absolutely nothing. Because lo and behold, Tiny's vehicle was shot at too, along with Reggie's and the neighbor across the street from his house. Our security cameras only spanned our front porch, so they caught nothing. Thankfully, the park manager decided after this incident to put security cameras on the light post throughout the whole trailer park. It was quiet once again for a blissful five months. I thought, finally, he won't do anything more because he knew cameras were everywhere now. Then... April of 2016 came. It was Friday, April 15th, and it was a beautiful day in spring. We officially owned our own home for a year. We were excited and happy, so we decided to do a barbecue like we have done so many times before. All the food and tables were set up in our yard. 
while all the kiddos played in the bounce house in Reggie's and his wife's Tanisha's yard. Everything was great. We were laughing and enjoying the mid-afternoon sun. Then 5 p.m. hit, and Tiny came out of his house. We could all tell Tiny was irritated over something. He was pacing his driveway, muttering to himself. He walked to his shed and came out with a metal bat. He resumed his pacing, but now he was slowly tapping the bat into his palm. I was getting ready to put a bowl of salad mix on the table when I looked up and met Tiny's eyes. I knew right then he wanted me dead. The hatred was so intense in his eyes that it made every hair on my body stand up. Tiny then pointed the bat at me and screamed. Just this guttural sound, no words, just a scream. Tanisha hollered to Reggie and to Ari. They then ran to usher all the kids into her house. I ran for my phone inside my home. By the time I made it to my door, Tiny was taking his first step onto our porch with that bat over his head getting ready to swing on me. Terry was right behind him and shoved him. He sent Tiny flying one way and the bat the other. He landed on his stomach and Terry and Reggie pulled him by his feet off of our porch. That's when they took the fight to the street. As I was on the phone with 911, I heard a huge crash outside. Tiny picked Reggie up and threw him into the front of our trailer so hard he fractured Reggie's skull and dented our home. It took the cops five minutes to arrive, but I swear it felt like a lifetime. Tiny had my husband on the ground pummeling him. I couldn't do anything because I knew if I stepped outside, I was dead. It took six police officers and a taser to get Tiny off of my husband and arrested. Terry ended up with five broken ribs and a concussion. Reggie had a fractured skull and three broken fingers. It wasn't until later during his trial that I found out why he hated me so much. You remember those brownies I made? Apparently, Tiny suffered from PTSD and schizophrenia. He also couldn't eat gluten. He took the brownies I made him as me attempting to kill him. That I and my family were Al-Qaeda spies sent here to finish him off. That the day Bubba came running in scared... He was going to shoot them, but my big boy was smart and ran before he could. That he was, in fact, peeping through my bedroom window. He also scratched the words into our trailer. He was also taking pictures of my family, which he had stashed in a safe with pages upon pages of his theories and strategies on how to eliminate the target, my family. Thankfully, he was arrested in 2017 spent five years in prison, and upon his release he is required, or he's going to spend five years in prison, and upon his release he is required to live in a state group home with people who are like him and have committed crimes. It's like a mental ward, but smaller, with 24-hour security. As for my family and Reggie's, we will of course have moved out of that park. We have of course moved out of that park. We bought a duplex together in an even better neighborhood in Kentwood. They live on the right, we live on the left. And I thank God every day that they are our family now. Good Ooh. Lord. That's insane. I feel like you just read a Stephen King novel, dude. That is just horrific. And scary. I know. I know. Isn't you just never insane? know what's going on in people's minds. Like you bring them over brownies and of course that's an attack in his mind. Like, good Lord. And he starts like planning out a battle attack to, to take out your family. It's just so crazy. Right. Be careful, people. You, yes, you have to be careful. You never know about people. You never know about about people who are unstable. They they like we talked about earlier, misinterpreting. 
misinterpreting actions so so crucial so crucial so that's that's an extreme case of bad neighbors i mean that that's just as extreme as any other case. that could literally be on an episode of fear that neighbor oh no doubt yeah and, and and luckily no one died in the end and and Mariah and her husband and everybody yeah. were were okay i mean it's okay as you can be after suffering a skull fracture and um, you know, a concussion and all that stuff that yeah. her her husband and the friend dealt with. But yeah, we thanked Mariah for the story and got her permission to read this on here. And she said that uh, Tanisha, Reggie, Terry, they all love the show and they agreed that if anybody could share the story, it would be us. So hopefully we did a good job of awesome. sharing it. We pretty much just read it verbatim because you're such a good writer. It was yeah, like that we was great writing. Scary ass novel. Absolutely. We should so. get her to write for the episode. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do little side shows like that all the time. Yeah, that right. that was cool, uh, Mariah. That was that was great writing. We and it was, it's cool that you let us read it. Not cool that it happened, um, but we appreciate right, you right. sharing that experience and um, also letting people know. I mean, because I'm sure people are dealing with with creepy neighbors and little little instances just like that right now. And knowing yeah. what it could escalate to if not taken the proper precautions is is good information for everyone. Yeah, I mean. We can all agree that our, our soldiers that come home, they, you know, they need all the help they can get, and sometimes they don't, or sometimes they refuse it, and and they can go down roads like this where, you know, schizophrenia and PTSD can can really create these illusions in their head where That's people right. are after them and they're not, you know. That's exactly right. Know, sometimes sometimes they can be dangerous. So, absolutely scary. scary. All right, so you, we we got one more story. Um, okay, this one's not quite that intense. Uh, this one's a little okay. little on the lighter spectrum. Uh, but still a terrible neighbor. Um, <laughs> so, so <laughs> not this, someone you want to live next door, regardless. No, 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 definitely not. So this this came from Carissa. Uh, she wrote us via Facebook. It says, "We lived on six acres in a neighborhood of about five other six-acre properties. A trail ran through our neighborhood that accessed three awesome trails that we and other locals like to use for hiking, biking, uh, skiing, etc." And off of this trail was a two-mile windy driveway that ended at Guy's house. That's a guy's name. His name is Guy as well. So, okay. At Guy's house, which was a solar dome that he built by himself. He could only access his driveway via this trail. So he was granted a right-of-way by all of us homeowners. Well, he got very annoyed with all of the trail activity because apparently it upset the illegal baiting of deer he was doing on his property. All of a sudden, we start hearing reports of a crazy person chasing families around on a snowmobile, literally scaring the crap out of little kids. I had to drive past the entrance to this trail to get home one day. Driving home with my two small kids, I look up and I see a huge gutted deer carcass strung up from a tree with barbed wire and another string of barbed wire attached to a sign that was placed in the middle of the trail that said, quote, no fucking trespassing, assholes, end quote. We let, wow. that, we let that deer hang for a week or so, thinking he would take it down. Well, he didn't. So my husband finally got up the nerve to bring him some beer and ask him to remove it. He was super nice to him and told him that he did it for us, that he thought <laughs> we wanted him to do it to protect the neighborhood. What the fuck? That's what she put in here. <laughs> we, sorry, she put, she put that in. So uh, we'd never, ever had a conversation like that with him. Then a few days later, he brought us cookies. This guy, 
this guy. I'm just looked, gonna say, don't eat those cookies. That's right, right, saying. exactly. Though they probably already did. Play it safe. Uh, <laughs> then a few days later, he brought his cookies. This guy looked like a real mountain man. He drank too much. He drove his dirt bikes around too fast. He shot guns all night long, and he made us cookies. He was so bizarre. So he was weird. He was weird. I'll give him that. And uh, those aren't some of the best neighborly things. Uh, drinking too weird, much. Weird. And once again, once again, a little, yeah. a little element of like delusion. You know, like uh, I, I thought you guys wanted me to do this for you. Once again, like the, like a little bit like the brownie situation, uh. where it's like misunderstandings, or it's like. Uh, no, that's not at all what was going on here. No, I, I think it's a little bit of delusion, and it's also a little bit of well, my scare tactic didn't work, so I guess I'll act like the nice guy now because I don't yeah, want these people. I don't want these people calling the police or the or the park ranger on me for yeah. doing this type of things. So I, that's how it struck me as me. It's like eh, he made up some bullshit there at the end when people actually started to call him on his shit. Mm-hmm. You know. you know, there's no really perfect way to escape the potential for bad neighbors because you can move to a rural area where you have huge properties like that, but with that comes the potential for crazier people too. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you're on, when you're out and like, and you, everybody's got six acre properties and stuff, you have a little more free reign to do what you want. And sometimes that harbors a, a maniac here and there. And then, and then all, and then as well with the case like we did today, where you have neighbors that are a little closer, smaller properties in a city and whatnot. Then you're on top of each other, and like every little thing can annoy each other, and then you can have potential for bad neighbors. There's really no perfect way, unless you're out alone in the middle of nowhere, on top of a mountain like a uh, Ruby Ridge or something. Like there's right. really, you just gotta kind of hope you get good neighbors, you know. I agree, I agree, man. And there's just like you said, it's just there's no way of telling. There's no way of telling yeah. at all. Sometimes you you think being Crap out in shoot. the country, yeah. Sometimes you think being out in the country would be better, but. I mean, then you got neighbors shooting guns. Then you get guys running around on bikes. <laughs> <and> shit, <laughs> exactly. Hanging up deers in the road. Yeah, yeah. Can't get them over. Deers. I just said deers. I live in I live in a very similar area to that. Like my uh, the land that I live on butts up to a state park. So I I actually, especially during the fall and these upcoming months in the mornings, I'll start to be able to hear people because once all the leaves and the trees fall, the forest gets real thin and sound travels for miles. And you can hear, hear people hunting. Well, usually people on the trail. They're usually hiking, hiking in groups and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, there are people hunting up there as, in that area as well, which I think is kind of kind of sketch. Uh, you got mm-hmm. people hunting right near walking trails, and I think it's yeah. it's a little too close. Yeah. But uh, there's definitely a lot of that miscommunication. Sometimes you'll go on these trails, and there'll be little offshoot trails off of them that that aren't made by the state. And you'll start you'll see some weird shit. Like I wandered onto a. Uh, it looked like a makeshift campsite, not so much like a hunting campsite, more like somebody was living there. Uh, like there were, there were like these big barrels. They looked like they had like you know those fifty-five gallon barrels. They had them up around the perimeter of this circle that they had made in the woods. It was like a little clearing in the woods, and wherever there weren't trees, they put barrels in between them to kind of like build like this fence. There was a tent in there, and then there was like food wrappers and drink bottles and water bottles and shit. There's like a little spot where they had a fire. Like somebody lived there for a little while. For sure. That's not good. No, 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 it's not good. I mean, this has been years ago. <laughs> We've seen how that can go but, wrong uh, <laughs> a few episodes ago. Yeah, that yeah, for sure. Now there has been there has been some people that have like uh went on the run out out in these woods, man, up on this mountain that I live near. They they not that long ago, not too long after I moved back, so Less than a year ago, uh, there was a 
an alert. We got an alert on our phone to like make sure we locked all our doors and everything because there was like a fugitive loose in the woods. There were helicopters flying over like constantly trying to find them and shit. So uh, I don't doubt people, you know, they set up camp out there and hide yeah. out for as long as they have to. Yeah. It's crazy, man. All right. Should we get to world. some shout outs, some sponsors? Uh, yeah. Should we do shout outs first or spon- do you want to talk Oh My Gaia? Oh yeah, my let's, Gaia. Talk, let's talk Oh My Gaia right quick, shall we? Yeah. All right. Oh, my Gaia. Let me pull it up here. What do I got going on? Here it is. It's an all-natural deodorant and beard oil company. Oh, is it? Uh, Are they specializing it, uh, in paraben and aluminum-free special- products? That is correct. Oh, okay. Because their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness as well. And at Oh, my Gaia, they use only all-natural paraben and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, there's tons of scents to choose from. Like we mentioned last week, if you're a hunter and you want to stay... Under the radar in the woods, there's unscented oh my guy as well. You don't want to you don't want to be smelling your old bo. You know you don't go out there with nothing. That's that's not that's not good. They can smell that too, right? So you want unscented, uh, or if you want to you know you want to spice it up a little bit, you can get vanilla, cherry almond, uh, sandalwood, lavender, uh, lemongrass, Egyptian musk, my personal favorite, coconut, dreamsicle, leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, uh, bergamot, amber, true crime pine. You guys ever heard of that? That's a True Crime Guys special right there. Only you can get that through Oh My Gaia, True Crime Pine. Specialized scent just made for our show. Um, and because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners, you can use the word creeper, C-R-E-E-P-E-R, for 15% off your order at ohmygaia.com. That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A.com or at shop underscore Oh My Gaia on Instagram. Do it. You won't regret it. Use the code word creeper. Save yourself some money and get your pits smelling Seriously. fantastic with no harmful ingredients in there as well. So it's a, it's a win-win. That's right, guys. If you don't believe us, jump on social media and just uh, search hashtag Oh My Gaia and see all the happy creepers out there who are that now right. rocking Oh My Gaia in their pits, and they will never go back. They will never. That's right. I want right. to give a couple special shout-outs real quick. I want to say what's up to Daniel Murray and his wife, uh, his wife is Samantha and she is 15 weeks pregnant and he wants oh. to tell her, Daniel wants to tell Samantha that she's doing a great job. Um, their little peanut's been kicking her ass, but she's doing a great job <laughs> and she got him hooked. She got him hooked on our show. And so, yeah, he wanted a special shout out for his wife and they're expecting a child. So, um, good luck to you guys on your future and your little baby and uh, big shout out to you guys. Yes. Also, congratulations, guys. Uh, the, and these are patrons that requested special shout outs. Right. So, um, I absolutely. This is Cedric who wanted a shout out for him and his uh, wife who are celebrating their three year anniversary. His wife's name is Jamie. So, Saint Jamie and Cedric Duval, congratulations on your anniversary. And That's uh, right, happy three yeah, years. Your shout out. Uh, There's your shout out. You happy? Yeah, you happy? <laughs> hey, you guys have been uh, you guys been together uh, just just a little less time than we've been doing this podcast. I know, right? Maybe we brought them together. Yeah, who knows? I like to think so. Yeah. I like to think so. <laughs> we'll celebrate our anniversaries together, guys. We got- yep. <laughs> We're coming up on Talking four death years. And bringing together life in uh, December. December will be four years that we've been podcasting together. That's crazy, man. Unbelievable. Time flies, yep. dude. So uh, let's give some more shout outs to people who took some time to go and rate and review the podcast uh, on iTunes and whatnot. Uh, I want to say what's up to Bill Thick in the U.S. said 20 stars, but gave 20? us five stars. I mean, oh. unfortunately, it won't let him it won't let him give 20, but oh. he gave five. That's the most. What he, if maybe he, left... he did four different? Yeah, get, he needs three more accounts right. to do five star reviews on and then we'll be at 20 from him. Exactly. That, there's nothing so. against that. People do that all the time in other countries. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yeah. So thank you, Bill Thick. And then we got one from Singapore. We got Ning Ooh. Ning Su uh, said, "Hey, fellow true crime lovers from Singapore, great podcast and research. Love how you guys allow each other to talk. Ha ha. Love you too. Awesome. What's up? I don't know if we have any other from Singapore. That's awesome. That is awesome. Then we got one from Belgium. Uh, Euro Joe." Uh, said, Savior from my boring nine to five. You guys are the reason my coworkers are becoming more and more sure that I will end up in jail. And <laughs> 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 wrote some more nice stuff and gave us a five star review. Or so maybe thank you. you'll stay out of jail because we're teaching you the mistakes that you should not make. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, he also said, Little do they know, it's one thing, one of the few things that can keep me from killing them. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> right. It'd be That's our little a joke, secret. people. Don't go yeah. arrest in uh, Euro Joe, please. Right. Leave Euro Joe alone. He just enjoys true crime podcasts like the rest of us. Exactly. So then we got A, B, C, D, E. Uh, there's a bunch of each of those letters uh, from the U.S. said, Good podcast, five stars. Heard about your podcast from listening to another. You guys do a great job. Smiley face. Thank you. And we got one more from Grandma Deb. Grandma Deb uh, in the U.S. said, binge the whole catalog with a pumpkin and a bunch of fire emojis. That's what's up. It is pumpkin season. All so right. Thank all of you guys for all the uh, kind words, all the, the time you take to go and write and review. We know that most most of those, like uh, I'd say like probably nine out of ten listeners never take the time to go do that. So we do appreciate the, you know, the few that do go do it. Yes, so. we do very much. It helps the show a lot. It helps give people an idea yeah. what the show's about. That's right. Thank you. We uh we got some stuff to plug here uh for True Crime Guys Productions. You can find at True Crime Guys on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, um, and you can listen to our other shows. You can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash true crime guys, two bucks a month gets you all kinds of content, like right. well over a hundred recordings, uh pictures that we did in uh, Photoshop. You get early releases on intros to episodes like this, uh yep. Michael's other shows that he's done. Um Aside from Strange and Unexplained, which we'll talk about in a minute. But yeah, two right. bucks a month gets you access to all that. Five dollars a month gets you the gold creep van sticker, which is very prestigious and only a handful of people in the world have. Absolutely. And don't forget uh, that you can sign up for the yearly uh, membership now. So you guys don't have to worry yep. about that pesky automatic draw every month. If you if you got I think it's like you get a discount. So if, it's like twenty one bucks right. for a year. So let's that say you pay up front, like twenty one sixty right. or something like what that. What would be twenty four dollars a year at full price at two dollars a month? Obviously you guys know math. Uh, it ends up being like $21 and something if you sign up. So if you get an extra 21 bucks, right, maybe you get maybe you get that second stimulus check we're supposed to be getting sometime soon. Hmm? Maybe you got an extra 21 yep. bucks, you go ahead and sign up, and you ain't got to worry about it. That's right. You know what I'm saying? So you guys yep. will have access to tons of stuff. And it, it's not like if you listen to everything in a month, then you're done, because that's not the case, because there will be a new Patreon exclusive coming out every week. I mean, every month. Once a month, yeah. Once a month. So you will actually get to listen to True Crime Guys every single week instead of having that one-off week every month. So it's a That's gift right. that keeps on giving, in my opinion. Yeah. And we put we entrust things into the patrons like we did this week. with ask, we, you know, we asked exclusively the patrons if they had any crazy uh, neighbor stories. Like right. Things like that you don't get privy to if you're not a patron. So Right. You get special. You get treated special. Right. That's basically it. And we're thinking about adding something new to Patreon. Lauren, I... I uh, I know we talked a little bit about it, but I think we could just add it to our, our Patreon page that we already have. And we, we, I wanted to kind of throw this out there, see what kind of feedback we get. What do you guys think about us doing a show where it'd be called Just the Banter? So it would be maybe a weekly... JTB. Yeah, just a weekly check-in with me and Lauren. We would have a few topics, kind of loose-based topics that we could talk about. Maybe he's got a few, maybe I got a few, maybe we get to them, maybe we don't. 
um, whatever it is. And we literally have a podcast where we get to banter and shoot the shit the entire time, which to me Basically, sounds what like we're a saying dream come is we've true. Been st- so, what we're saying is we've been strong-armed into cutting out the banter in our normal show by yes. people one-starring us and saying, I, I just get to the show, we want to hear it. And I'm like, fine, fine, fine. So we cut a lot of that stuff out. But if, for those of you that love it, because we do get reviews of people saying, we love the banter, don't stop that. Right. We could do a little something just for y'all. We, absolutely, absolutely. So let us know if there's interest in that, and maybe we'll make that a new segment on Patreon as well. Um, something yep. for, for you guys that just like the banter and just want to be included in the conversation or know what's going on in our lives or whatever. So that's right. That's be a cool thing to, you want do. to talk about your other show, Strange and Unexplained. If you've gotten, uh, yes, if you're all caught up on true crime guys, or if you, you're not, you want a little bit of true crime guys and you want some more true crime guys productions, you can't get enough of us. There's another show. That's right. Michael, Mac, Michael's baby that I play a small role in as well. That's right. And you guys can, uh, get hooked on this show for absolutely nothing because Strange and Unexplained is available wherever you listen on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Uh, iHeartRadio, everywhere, pretty much. And if it's not, hit me up, let me know, and I'll put it on there. Um, But Strange and Unexplained, it's another show where we tackle unsolved, missing persons, or just strange phenomena cases. We we do some more cult shit on there, which is pretty fun. Um, It's a little more more produced. It's a little more uh, serious on some of them, although we we just recorded an episode on Skinwalker Ranch where we got to be a little more playful. Um, If you're not familiar with that, it's a... um, a ranch that sees a lot of supernatural activity. Um, it's one of the supernatural hotspots of the world, I guess you would say. It's in the it's in Utah. It's in the Uinta Basin. Uh, so that's what our most recent case that just came out this Monday was about. But we also talk about very serious cases, missing persons, and cases of minorities, people who don't get of a lot of attention in the news, people whose cases really fall under the radar rather quickly. Uh, so we're trying to spread awareness about stuff like that, as well as, as have some fun with some strange topics as well. So that's Strange and Unexplained. If you guys search True Crime Guys on your podcast app, you should be able to find it. It is a True Crime Guys production. It should pull up with True Crime Guys. And um, if you guys love that show, if you're all caught up on that show, maybe you've already listened, you can join the Patreon for that show as well. Patreon.com slash podcast. You'll get early releases of that show every Thursday as well as access to two other shows that I do on there, one called Strange Shorts and one called The Palette Cleanser. So tons of stuff under the True Crime Guys umbrella. Uh, we don't want you guys getting bored. You know, This pandemic That's has right. really uh, sparked our creativity and given at least me some more time to, uh, to work on this sort of thing. And uh, I just want to bring as much content as I possibly can to you guys so you guys don't get bored out there. So, Are you not entertained? Are you not Ah, All right, guys. This is an extra long freeloader episode, and I'm about done. Football's about to start, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True crime, guys. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder, get murder, get murder. In the desert, we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was true crime garage. Now we ain't mad at you. Sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the creeper army. We out here making murder charming.